This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast as we talk opening day and Major League Baseball, and it will be a very, very different baseball season as we welcome in uh bobby v bobby welcome how was your off season mike it was quick but it was terrific thank you very much uh, everything's uh really special in my life i hope you had a good one too good bob uh, you know it's a very different year and i know you uh being the baseball thinker that you are has spent a lot of time on this when i look at the rule changes let's start with the shift the, the the part of the shift rule that I think has not gotten the attention is you are no longer allowed to play on the outfield grass for a million years. Even if they were on the right side of the diamond, many sluggers were played 10 and 15 feet deep on the outfield grass. That not, That's not longer. It's outlawed now. Indeed it is. Uh, they want more hits, and I think there'll be more hits uh, with this banning of the shifts. And the idea of no more, you have to be on the grass or on the inner part of the infield. You can be on the infield in, but you can't be on the depth part. How dramatically do you see batting averages rising for dead pull hitters? Well, I think that the, the hitters who hit the ball hard are now going to be rewarded with hits. Um, which isn't a bad thing, Mike. You know, it's so hard to center the ball anyway. And uh, I got frustrated watching games where you'd see the bullet hit up the middle or see the bullet that was hit on a line drive that was uh, caught in short right field or caught up the middle. Uh, so I think when when you hit the ball hard, you're going to be rewarded with a hit. And I think there'll be an uptick uh, in in batting average, but I don't think it will be as dramatic as uh, some think because I think the pitching um, is going to be able to neutralize some of the hitting this year. Bobby, the part of the rule states you can move when the ball is released. Do you think fielders will be on the move then? I mean, that's pretty dramatic if they are, or do you think they'll hold their place? I, I think for the most part, they're going to hold their place. Um, you know, I chuckle a little because, as you probably remember, 20 years ago and so when I was with the uh, Mets, I had those moving shifts, yep. especially on bunt plays. Yep. You know, and everyone said uh, I was crazy. I think you could do it. The, the problem is um, there's so much emphasis on uh, fatigue and saving the the legs of the players. And, you know, if you, if you start shifting on players and the guy has one of those 11 pitch, um, um, you know, at bats where you're sprinting those 10, 10 feet, 11 times in one at bat, you might have to call for some oxygen. 
Bobby, the other part of the rule changes center obviously on speeding up the game and on dealing with the mound. 15 seconds to release the ball when no one on base, 20 seconds with a man on, and also restrictions on stepping off the rubber or throwing to first base. Um, How much is all of this going to be hard for pitchers to digest? Do you think it's going to be relatively easy or it's going to be very difficult? Well, I think it's been a a real smooth transition for most of the players. Mike, world-class athletes are world-class because they learn to adjust their entire lives. And uh, this adjustment uh, in time, I think, has has been made and will continue to be made rather um, seamlessly. Uh, I'm a little concerned um, about one the absolute concentration uh, that's needed for the hitter and the pitcher to perform, uh, you know, their act at that highest level uh, and, and repeating it over and over and over in such a quick fashion. And also a little about the, um, the fatigue in the pitcher's arm when he gets into uh, those 20 plus pitch innings that are, um, you know, the pitchers are being thrown with uh, the maximum of 20 seconds in between time. Uh, I, I think if a pitcher's not, you know, taking a breath every once in a while, if the that uh, catcher's not giving them the extra 30 seconds when needed, uh, I think you might see some injuries. I mean, part of that 15-second rule states that the hitter has to be prepared with eight seconds left. I talked to guys years ago who were adamant about the fact that you're never going to get me not to be able to step out because it's part of me preparing to take on the pitcher. Bernie Williams told me that. Big Poppy told me that. They have to be prepared with eight seconds left. The hitters were adamant against this when they voted. They did not want this. The players did not want this part of the rule. How hard is that going to be from an offensive standpoint, and do you think it's going to be challenged a lot? Uh, I don't think that you're going to see a lot of challenges, uh, Mike, because guys value their at-bats. But, uh, again, uh, I'm hoping that these world-class athletes, when the ball is being thrown 100 miles an hour in their direction, can, in fact, turn that switch on and off so that they have their peak attention uh, every time the ball is thrown. It's difficult. What Poppy and and, uh, and everyone, A-Rod, every good hitter I've ever talked to, like to reset. And they usually had that uh, program, you know, yep. touch your glove, touch your foot, yep. get in the box, and, and then you go, just exactly as you're saying. And now they have to reprogram that. And as they're reprogramming, they have to turn the page on the last pitch and concentrate on the next pitch. You know, when Justin Turner got hit uh, in in the head, uh, there were a lot of people who who said that it didn't look like he was really ready to hit at that time. Uh, Let's see. I I hope and pray uh, that it's a safe transition for all these hitters. There's been a lot of commentary that the two pickoff limitation will lead to a lot more stolen bases. Agree or disagree? I think it should. Uh, Again, you have to have buy-in from the uh, base runners 
to understand the nuance of what's going on. You know, you, you used to just read the pitcher's move and take off, um, you know, on, on his leg lift or on his shoulder turn or on his chin lift, whatever you were keying on, uh, that would be your starting point. Now there's going to be a little more in anticipation um, to the, um, you know, to the throw over that if he's thrown over twice, there's going to be guys just taking off thinking there's no way that he's going to throw over. And a lot of teams are uh, implementing a new strategy, you know, where it looks like you're going back or, or you are going back to the base every time a pitcher begins his move. So whoever is looking the bench or the catcher or the left-handed pitcher who kind of sees the runner out of the corner of his eyes, as soon as he makes his leg lift, the runner's, Moving back to first base, well, you figure, well, I'm not going to waste one of my throwovers now. He's going back to first automatically, and then they're going to take off early. So I think there are some teams and some players who will get a competitive advantage by um, understanding the nuance of the new rules. All right, so we have a lot of stuff to digest there, and we'll see how that unfolds. Uh, Bobby's uh, expecting a fairly smooth transition. Uh, with that the case, uh, a lot of the same familiar favorites as far as the teams to beat and everything else, uh, obviously the ones that spend the most money. When you look at the odds right now, Houston's the favorite, followed by the Dodgers, then the Yankees, then the Braves, then the Mets, uh, then the Padres, then Toronto, Philly, Seattle, Tampa. That's the first line of the favorites. Let's start the on the Dodgers. Yankees and the Mets yeah, for a and, second. And the the Yankees have been hit very hard in the starting pitching. How hard do you think it will impact them in the early part of the season? Oh, it'll impact them early on. Um, but the, the key is going to be if they come back, um, you know, after that two, three week period that everyone's hoping for. Uh, if you're a Yankee fan, uh, a lot of times uh, injuries, uh, seem to be two weeks and they become two months. And if that's the case, um, especially with um, uh, guys who have injuries in the past who haven't come back um, as quickly as you hope, uh, that it could be a, a real problem. Uh, the Yankees' starting depth uh, isn't what the Yankees' starting depth used to be, both in the bullpen and in the, um, in the starting rotation. How big is the loss of Diaz? How big is the, how much, the question is, what percentage can they compensate with, let's say, an average performance out of the bullpen? Can they compensate for the best closer in the sport? How much do they lose? Well, you know, the old adage is you never know how valuable a closer is until you don't have one. And uh, the Mets right now, I think, are, are, really in trouble. I don't think their offense is the kind of offense that can keep adding runs on. Uh, I think they need to win the close games, and I don't think they have uh, the the arms in the bullpen to do that. I, I think it's very, very important uh, that Diaz is not in that bullpen. For you right now, who's the number one team in baseball? I think the, the reigning champ... Uh, even though Altuve is not going to be in their lineup, uh, Houston is a very, very good team. Those I agree. arms that they throw out there I agree. Are, are tough. 
Um, how about the West Coast teams? How about San Diego? And obviously they have put a lot of money into it. How about the Dodgers and how about the Angels? Well, I think the uh, the Dodgers are on a downtick. Um, you know, they're they're good, of course. They're going to win plus 90 games, but uh, you're not going to see them uh, winning 110. Um, the Padres, if they can... If they can ride the wave, if, um, you know, they stay healthy, I think that they're going to be the the pick in the National League West uh, come all-star break. And I think the Angels have really increased their depth to protect uh, their stars of Trout and Otani. I think their lineup is a lot longer. I think their starting pitching is going to surprise a lot of people, but their bullpen is um, is a work in progress. Is, do you have a surprise team? Do you have a sleeper team? Well, I think the Angels would have to be the sleeper team, uh, in in my in in my opinion, and and also the White Sox that um, you know are loaded with talent and um, just haven't haven't had it show up uh, for a while now. Yeah, White Sox had a very disappointing year last for a team that was ex- big things were expected. Had a very disappointing year last year. Yeah, very disappointing, and a lot of stars that are kind of unknown uh, that could come together and and really get on a roll, especially in the in that American League Central. Considering Bob, with the with the rule changes and everything in, encompassing everything, how it impacts a baseball team, would it have made you change your roster in any way before you start this season? You know, I keep trying to to figure that out. I think that, um, you know, the things that were important in the past are still important, uh, and that's the holding leads when you get the lead, uh, having a good bullpen, and uh, being able to uh, catch the ball uh, behind your pitching staff so you're not giving runs away. Um, I, I think this, the same holds true with the new rules. I thought somebody might want to have a designated runner on the team now because you could probably impact a lot of one-run games late if you have somebody who really can command on the bases. Well, uh, you know, I would agree with you there, Mike, and, and I think some teams uh, have done that, but, you know, it, it's still a hard thing to transition to uh, because we've been away from that. Uh, mentality for so long. Uh, as soon as you put a pinch runner out there in the ninth inning, you try to steal uh, when you're one run down and he gets thrown out with a pitch out, which will come back into play, which we haven't seen in a long time. We're going to the get a lot of pitch out. outs again, right? <laughs> right. Yes, yeah, we're going to see a, a lot of pitch outs again, uh, which and, and, and the problem there, Mike, is remember all of that time that was spent controlling the running game uh, from the dugout where the uh, coach or the manager used to touch his nose, his ears and all that and dictate whether to throw over or pitch out or quick step or what m- might have you. Um, there's not time to do that um, uh, now in, with this new rule. So the catcher and the pitcher are pretty much on their own with the pitch out, except for some word signals once in a while, I think that might be uh, thrown out of the dugout. And also the time, you know, for the catcher to put on the, you know, the first and second, where are you going to throw first and third? Where are you going to throw if they, if they go? Uh, I think that um, 
you know, a lot, a lot of the responsibility is going to go onto the field and away from the dugout, which is different in today's game. You know, we're talking about Bobby Valentine, the Mike Francesa podcast, as we look at the baseball season, which will begin on Thursday, opening day, just two days away here, uh, opening in late March, where weather will be an issue. In New York, as an example, it's supposed to be 42 degrees on opening day. But, hey, it happens when you open in March. Bob, two things. You're going to be a lot more singles and doubles, which means relays, again, are back in baseball. Uh, outfield arms are back in baseball. No more station-to-station strikeout home run that we've been playing, which is what baseball is looking for. They're trying to put action on the base pass. They're trying to put more action in the game, which will put outfield arms and and things like relays, which have been forgotten, back into the game again. Oh, great observation, Mike. I, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, that those teams that can do, will do, and those who cannot do will fall by the wayside because it will expose them. Uh, everyone will be holding their breath when the throw comes in. And when you miss that cutoff man and the ball starts rolling to the pitcher's mound and everyone's advancing bases, you know, those boo birds come out in a hurry. Absolutely. And that's been, you know, something that used to be such a part and parcel of baseball will now hopefully be back in the game with this. Uh, if, if it seem, if this is as obvious as it will be, it seems like it's going to produce a lot more hits. I mean, just logistically, it would seem, you know, a guy who's right-handed, who's a pull hitter, no longer is going to be pulling into three guys with one short, with one short outfielder. It's not going to happen anymore. So he's not going to hit a bullet on one hop that's an out anymore. Uh, I, I agree. It's just, you know, the, the guys who work the numbers don't think that uh... – there's going to be all that many more hits. It seems to me that when you hit the ball hard, uh, very often you're going to get a hit this year where, uh, you know, the shift was, were taking away so many of those, you know, bullets in the hole that you're talking about. Hey Bobby, how many times in the old days when a ball was hit hard through the middle, it was a single up the middle and it became a double play. Now it may be a single up the middle again. Exactly. those seem to be, uh, you know, the obvious batting average uh, additives. What what the what the numbers say is that you know all those little blue pits, those balls off the end of the bat that just rolled uh, into left field with the left Yikes. with the left-handed pull hitter up. You know, now they're going to be taken away because there's going to be two guys on that side of the infield, and it, and it might all uh, av- you know average out. But um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I. I, I think this the action, what they wanted is more action. I think we definitely should have more action. What they wanted was a quicker game. Without a doubt, the game is going to be played in less time. Uh, you could keep the uh, the dinner warm on, on the stove, honey. I'll be home in time for it. Uh, but, um, you know, some, some of the unintended consequence have yet to be seen. I think, you know, the umpiring situation – you're asking the home plate umpire to do a lot of work now. I mean, he has to do so many other things other than just good point. balls and strikes. Very good point. I think on those hot summer days, you're going to have some very, very agitated guys behind the plate, and you better be careful. Very good point. And, and what would be the way, as you taught players for so long, if you have a pitcher who is having trouble with the clock, 
what would be the way you would remedy it? Would it just be practice and and repetition, or is there something more obvious than that? Well, I think the breathing routine is uh, really important now. You know, uh, uh, it's been stressed for a long time in sports that you have to understand how to, you know, slow the clock down and breathe properly. Well, a lot of guys used to walk around the mound right. when the heart started going a little too fast and, and get their breathing under control. I think now you have to control that in a shorter amount of time. And some guys just aren't going to be able to do it that quickly. Some young guys, I think, are going to have that heartbeat going so much and the, with the clock going as it is, that the concentration that they need to throw the strike is not going to be there. Especially with guys on base. Oh, boy. Yeah. You know, They're bases are loaded out. and a big hit is in the box. You know how yeah, long they... the guy held on to the baseball. Now he can't throw it the first five times. And now he can't walk around the mound for 20 minutes. So the bottom line is that guy's got to bring the ball to the plate. Yeah, and I and I just wonder how many times they're going to allow a guy to tie his shoe uh, out on the mound. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many times. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the the shift is actually reviewable, so you can call it if you don't think the shift that they played. It's actually a reviewable play, defensive alignment. I wonder how many of those we're going to get if guys are moving around. Yeah, it's only the guy that catches the ball uh, that you can review on the ship, right. I guess, Mike. And and you can't review review the shot clock or the the pitch clock. Right. So you know that that that's interesting. And you know, there's a couple other plays that are going to be uh, be talked about. You know, when the guy throws over the third time, for instance, and uh, the guy's safe, um, and it's called the balk. Uh, is the ball then in play after that? Meaning if there's men on first and third and you throw over the first three times and the guy's safe, can the guy from third try to come home? And if he tries to come home on that play, can you throw him out? Or is the ball dead? Or do they? does everyone advance one, uh, one base even if you're not forced to advance? And, you know, all, all that kind of stuff is still uh, in the hopper. And, you know, when you're playing 15 games a day, you're going to see everything uh, come to light uh, in the first month or so, and uh, there'll be more discussions. Do you think they will try to be very litigious early and then back off, or do you think they'll try to common sense it right from the start, the umpires? I I think letter of the law. I think they're going to go right as soon as they get buzzed in their pocket that time is up. Time's going to be up. I think, uh, you know, that that uh, batter that gets called out in the third strike uh, because he's not quite uh, looking at the pitcher with eight seconds left, uh, you know, you're going to have some time added to the game in that argument, that's for sure. Oh, for, uh, uh, that one's going to be uh, without question. Um, <laughs> the Yankees starting – a what they hope is a guy who's here for a long time in Volpe. He won the job. He when you bring up a young guy like that, I mean, what is a fair? Now you make him the everyday shortstop. You give him the job because you don't want to sit him. You want him to play every day if he's here. So now he's here. What's a fair 
look before you make a decision if he's struggling? What's a, is it 30 games? Is it uh, 40 games? Is it mid-May? What, what do you think is a fair look before you would have to do something if he didn't get off to a good start? Well, Mike, um, you know, I had the opportunity to sit with uh, uh, this young man and, and, and his parents at an Italian-American uh, oh, really? okay. foundation. And I was overly impressed. I mean, the, the family, the kid, uh, and then watching him play, uh, he's definitely made of the real stuff. Uh, yeah, he's done everything uh, right. Absolutely. But you know that great players have been sent down in the middle of their first year. Well, that's the thing. I wish that there were a couple other young players on that team. Uh, Good point. Good point. Being the only one uh, makes it even more difficult. Um, And how many games? It really depends on the record of the team. Uh, You know, he he will, you know, reflect um, the record. If they're doing well and he's not playing well, um, you know, will be overlooked. Give them more time. If they're, you know, bouncing around 500 and and he popped up a couple times for the last out of the game or even made an error, he looks like he's really sure in the field. But, you know, if he makes that error, there'll be a bigger spotlight on him. But I think he's there to stay. I just think it's going to be really difficult. This is the New York Yankees. This is uh, the shadow of Derek Jeter uh, as a young guy coming in. This is a an older team that, um, you know, is, is already experienced some some injuries in the starting uh, staff. And um, yeah, there's a Volpe. You know, ma- there's a Volpe mania right now. You know that there's a, you know, in New York, because there hasn't been, they haven't had a guy like this in a while. They haven't had this in a while. And, and everyone is so, has been waiting for him, and it became a craze here. Would he be the uh, until they named it? It was like a craze. You know, the the city's been waiting for two things: Aaron Rodgers and Volpe. So I mean, the, and <laughs> they finally got their Volpe announcement, and now you know he's had such a good spring: four hundred on base percentage, three homers, five steals. You know, three hundred batting average, the whole thing. He did everything right in the spring. Well, I think he'll continue to do everything right. He's he's made of the right stuff, as I said. Uh, he, he's like, he like came out of the factory as the, as the guy to do this, you know, he, he is the right person. Um, I just don't think it's going to be, you know, that easy. It never is. Uh, I think he can handle it. And, um, uh, you know, I want to get his baseball card. It's going to be a, a collector's item. You know, for the Mets, for a team that is a gazillion dollars over the luxury tax, they did not improve the team that much. They are heavily reliant on two older guys in the starting rotation. Great pitchers, but older guys. They lost the best closer in the sport and didn't really change their offense in any meaningful way. That's not a lot to do considering you're $100 million over the next team in the luxury tax. So uh, from that standpoint, there's some question marks with this Met team. I mean, if you're looking at it realistically, there's some question marks. There are question marks, obviously, the closer and, uh, you know, very reliant on homegrown products, uh, very uh, unlike the Mets of the past. You know, their offense revolves around other than Lindor, basically, you know, guys that came up through their organization. Lindor and Alonzo have to hit to carry that team. That's uh, basically it. uh, Yes, they have to hit big. 
Yeah. Like they, they not only have to, you know, hit, uh, Alonzo's got to uh, put it in the seats and Lindor's got to run around the bases. Absolutely. And, you know, and they did it last yeah. year. And when they didn't hit last year and when Marte went out, they were, they had no offense. So let's be honest. They didn't, they missed Marte. And I don't know if he has the same season. They don't have protection for Alonzo in the lineup, not real protection. And uh, they, like I said, for someone who spent a tremendous amount of money, they don't, they have, I know they got a bad break with Diaz. They got a very bad break, but the bottom line is, they are reliant on two superstar pitchers who are not young. Who are not young and who early in the season, when they give you those strong seven innings and get their standing ovation, when they come off the mound with one out in the eighth or one out in the seventh, that the guys who come in after them have a great deal of, uh, of the load to carry and. Uh, if they don't close those games, when those two pitchers in particular, when those two pitchers are shooting those bullets, and as you mentioned, I don't know how many bullets they have left in the tank. They're outstanding pitchers, uh, but you have to win those games when they're pitching. Bobby, what do you expect from DeGrom from a standpoint of this, seeing different teams when he's with his stuff, do you think it will be harder on those hitters not see, not knowing him, or do you think it'll be harder on him uh, in the adjustment? You know, I know that they play these teams once in a while, but they now will play. Now it's a different schedule. Plus, he's going to see a lot of different teams a lot than he's seen in the past. Advantage him or advantage the teams? If he's healthy, advantage him. He's world class, and it it doesn't matter even how many times you see him or he sees a hitter when his stuff is right, it plays and it dominates. What are you expecting from him this year? Uh, you know, I'm expecting uh, greatness and inconsistency only because that's, uh, you know, the, the track record he's had lately and, you know, pitching uh, probably the biggest adjustments going to be pitching in that intense heat uh, during the summer. That's something that you need to get used to, and um, it, it's not that easy to overcome. As is, is Atani now a better player than Trout, or is Trout still a better player than Atani? Wow. Uh, they're both great. I think Trout's going to pull, pull that um, season out of his hat that um, you know, might be the peak of his, of his greatness, and he, and he is great. The thing is, Otani is, is, has, has a lot left uh, in that, uh, you know, that, that mountain that he's climbing. I think, I think he is a better hitter than he's been in the past, and I think he's a better pitcher than he's been in the past, if you can imagine. Uh, so I, I think his ceiling might be a lot, little higher than Mike Trout's. Bobby, if he didn't pitch and just concentrated on his offense, how much would his offense improve? Well, um, or would it not improve that much? I don't think it would improve that much. I think um, it it would improve over what it was last year and the year before, only because he has last year and the year before under his belt. This is a guy who's a genius, Mike. He he, uh, picks up on stuff and improves step by step by step. As I said, he has more in the tank, and I think his – his offense this year is going to be off the charts. 
And I think his pitching is going to be uh, in that no hitter area um, every every three or four starts. He's he's really really different. Can you see Judge duplicating his year? I asked that from this standpoint. He played 157 games last year. He'd only done yeah. that once in his career, and the only time he had done it was back in 2017. Uh, some years he had played a lot less than 157 games. Uh, he has been somewhat injury prone at times. Uh, is it fair to expect the same kind of season or is that just way too much to expect that? Well, he's another special uh, baseball player. And, you know, the fact that he played the 157 games, Mike, uh, led to his consistency, his swing, uh, from April to September seemed to have the same cadence, the same rhythm, the, the same efficiency uh, every time I saw him. And part of that is because he was playing every day and he wasn't restarting after a little injury or a little uh, time away from the field. I think if he stays on the field, uh, you know, and keeps that big body in time, with his rhythm and his movement. I think, uh, you know, 60 home runs are well within his reach. The only numbers better than his, if you look at it statistically and, and use some of the, you know, uh, advanced stuff, the only numbers better than his in recent memory were one Bonds year and the two Manly years in the middle of the 50s, 56 and 57. Other than that, no one's been better than Judge was last year. That's how good last year was. It, it was it was spectacular, but remember, this is a, an amazingly big and um, and talented athlete. Um, he can replicate what he did because he can dominate uh, when he's at the plate. Hey, six foot seven, two hundred and eighty pounds. That's a big man. <laughs> amazing. It's, it's and and and, and play and plays well in the field. I mean, he's a good fielder. He's a good base runner. He does everything right. I I bought season tickets uh, to to make sure I see him whenever he's playing. I I think he is just uh, spectacular. That's an understatement. Uh, you and I both agree <laughs> about. You and I both pick Houston last year. We were right. I still agree. I think Houston's the best team. I think uh, they're the best team in baseball. Uh, who's the who gets the National League nod against them right now before the season starts? Uh, San Diego, um, in, in my opinion, um, they're, they're they're still moving forward. They're on the way up. If uh, if uh, their closer is healthy and uh, Josh Hager, they say is is throwing well, um, I, I don't think there's any stopping. Um, the, the Padres this year, the, the Dodgers are taking a step back and uh, the Phillies are, are going to, it's going to be hard for them to make up the offense. They're not going to have at the beginning of the season with, um, with, with Harper and um, um, the first baseman out Hoskins out. All right, Bobby, good to talk to you again. We'll talk to you along the way. Thanks very much. Enjoy the start of the season. Always a pleasure, Mike. Thank you, Take Bobby. Care. Bobby Thank Valentine you. on his thoughts. Let me give you a couple of things here. We will be back uh, with a baseball podcast to give you some predictions. I agree with Bobby. I think Houston's a team to beat. I picked them to win the World Series again like I did last year. I think they're the best team. I think they are still the best team by a margin right now. I really do. A couple of things. 
uh, and we'll be back with a uh, third on either third, late Wednesday or early Thursday with a podcast for the Yankees, Mets, some individual predictions on different things in baseball. A couple of numbers for you, uh, courtesy of the good folks at Bet Rivers. Number one, uh, the AL, I gave you the World Series favorites, AL favorites. Houston is three to one. Yankees are right behind them at three at three point five to one. Then comes Toronto at six to one and Seattle at eight to one. In the National League, it is very bunched up. It's the Dodgers, Atlanta, the Mets, San Diego, all three or four to one. That's it. After that, it's Philly and St. Louis. So Dodgers, Atlanta are three and a half to one. Mets and San Diego are four to one. So it's very bunched up. Who will hit the most homers? Judge is a big favorite. Now, the only reason I'd look elsewhere is for value and for the idea, does Judge get to play 157 games this year? Um, He's only done that once in his career. He played 155. Um, Guerrero's eight to one behind him. Alvarez is nine to one. Trout is 10 to one. Alonzo is 11 to one. And uh, Schwab is 12 to one. I think a good price at 12 to one, as a matter of fact. Um, there's a bunch of other numbers. I will give you MVPs and I will give you the over-unders. Uh, on the over-unders, just as an example, very bunched up again, the over-unders are. Okay? Very, very bunched up. The Yankees are 95 and a half. The Dodgers are 95 and a half. The Braves are 95 and a half. The Astros are 95. They're all 95 and a half. San Diego is 93 and a half. The Mets are 93 and a half. Toronto is 92 and a half. Those are the teams that are above 90. So it's the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Astros, the Padres, the Mets, and the Blue Jays. All between 95.5 and 92.5. And on the bottom side... There's two teams in the 50s, Oakland and Washington. They are in the 50s. And then comes Colorado at 66. The Cincinnati roster, which if you look at it, is completely barren. You know the third most, you know, the, you know what player makes the third most money on the Reds? Ken Griffey Jr. on his deferred payments. He gets $3.5 million still a year from the Reds. And... He is the third highest paid player on the team. That's how barren the Reds roster is. Followed by Pittsburgh at 67, Kansas City, Detroit. So you have, usually you have one or two teams that low. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams at 70 or below. That is highly unusual. So the, the middle part of baseball is ruled by the, you know, the, the, what you would expect, St. Louis, Philly, Tampa, Cleveland, Seattle. And then on the low side, down in the early 50s, uh, down in the early 70s is Miami, Arizona, the Red Sox, the Orioles, who are improved, uh, right in there. So that's the numbers. The high number is 95.5. The low number is 59. 59.5. That goes to Washington and to Oakland as we get ready to start this season. As we said, for all of your wagering needs, when you want to go make a futures bet now, 
pick somebody to win the World Series, pick somebody to win a division. I have a long shot for rookie of the year. I have a favorite for rookie of the year. I have a long shot for the home run title. Or you have a long shot for the MVP. Get it all at Bet Rivers. Go to Bet Rivers. Go to the app. Go to BetRivers.com for all of your wagering needs. And again, here it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut. And check it out for your daily wages and for your uh, futures in baseball. And there's a lot of exotic things you can have fun with in baseball day in and day out. You know, this guy's going to get two hits. This guy's going to get this many extra bases. You know, that's a, that's a fun game for baseball. And against this pitcher, let me see if I like this guy, this matchup. That kind of stuff is, I, I always find that a fun, a fun part of baseball, as a matter of fact. Um, no movement in the final four numbers. San Diego State still two. And UConn still five and a half. UConn, obviously, the favorite to win the final four. They're a four seed that is played like a one seed. They're the 10th team in final in championship history or final four history to reach the final four, having won each game by at least 15 points. Now, most times, history will show you that almost every time those teams faced a tight game or were behind at the half at the final four after they ran through. Very rarely does somebody dominate all six games. Usually they will play what we call a white knuckler somewhere along the way. Even the great Indiana team that was perfect in 76, the last undefeated champion. That team was trailing Michigan at the half of the championship game and then played the most brilliant second half in the history of college basketball. Even they trailed half to Michigan. It changes things. Now, one thing you don't have here that is often the case, Michigan, Indiana, uh, Villanova, Georgetown, if you get a division opponent, they don't see teams the same way that teams don't, other teams do. They are very live on the dogs, but you don't have that. Kansas, Oklahoma, et cetera. You don't have that here. You would have had it if Creighton was here, but you don't have it. So you have San Diego State, you have Florida Atlantic, and you're going to have a Cinderella on that side. And then you're going to have the favorite on the other side, especially if it's UConn. You're going to have a big Cinderella with either San Diego State or Florida Atlantic. Even if it's Miami, they're going to be favored, but they're going to be a slight favorite. If you're UConn, you're going to be a pretty big favorite. But the other team's going to play the Cinderella role, whether it's Florida Atlantic or San Diego State, will play the Cinderella role very, very well. So we will have that set up on Monday night. And, you know, the Miami team, their second half against Texas was ultra impressive. They looked like they were dead in that game, and they came back and won it. I mean, they looked like in the middle of that second half, they looked like they were dead. Texas did a lot of things wrong down that stretch, but still they looked like they were dead. So enjoy your baseball. We'll be back with that. We'll have some Yankee Mets previews and some over-unders for you coming up either Wednesday night or Thursday. It'll be up. Look for the podcast, and then the Final Four podcast will be up late Friday. And away we go. So enjoy what is now a very, very busy time. Opening day Thursday. Final four Saturday. Championship game Monday night. And the Masters Thursday. As good as it gets. We'll see. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.
Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.